0: Welcome to Jen Rubin's Green Room. I'm Jen Rubin from The Washington Post, also an MSNBC contributor and author of the book How Women Save Democracy from Donald Trump. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This program, I hope will become a standard part of your listening catalog. We're going to bring in the smartest people in Washington and beyond. We're going to have those kinds of conversations that I and my friends around town used to have in a physical green room, those little waiting pins that they put you in before you go on for a TV hit. But there's sometimes the best the juiciest part of the week and I want to have you put this mental image in your mind there's a knock at the door I and one of my guests appear we come in I pour you a glass of wine I pour us a glass of wine and we all settle in and you just get to listen to a conversation I'm having with a really smart person And we're going to talk about a lot of subjects that, frankly, don't lend themselves to a soundbite, don't lend themselves even to a column. Have some hard conversations about race, religion, but we're also going to have a lot of fun. And there's no better person to start off the program than George Conway, who is one of the funniest, one of the smartest people in Washington. I am delighted this week to have with me George Conway. George has probably become a familiar face and voice to those of you who follow the Daily News. Uh, But he had a whole career before becoming such a media rock star. He went to Harvard University, graduated (laughs) from Yale. Media rock star. No, no. no, Yeah. Graduated from Yale Law School clerked for a very important Second Circuit judge, Ralph Winter, who uh, is renowned in many circles, became a partner in a uh, prominent firm, actually helped defend uh, or prosecute, rather, uh, Paula Jones' lawsuit against Bill Clinton. He's argued a case before the Supreme Court, has a perfect record before the Supreme Court of one and oh.
1: Yeah, you got to quit while you're ahead. That's really the key to that.
0: Exactly. And now he is here. He has the distinction of providing great legal commentary. And he is also the person who put E. Jean Carroll in touch with Robbie Kaplan, who is her extraordinary counsel. Uh,
1: I will say this. I I, 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 toot, I don't toot my horn that much, but that is the best thing I ever did, not winning the Supreme Court case. Just, so just how did
0: you meet Gene? And what about Robbie, who is a fabulous lawyer, of course, led you to believe that they would be a good match?
1: I, uh, You know, I, I had gotten to know Robbie, um, I think, a couple of years before, 2017, 2018, we had lunch for the first time. or I don't remember when, I don't remember, maybe it was 2018, is when, whenever she brought that Ponzi scheme case, ACN, against Trump. And I read the complaint, and I knew about the kaplan Hecker firm, her law firm, and I knew about her, you know, because she she, she, was, she was a Paul Weiss partner, and there she won the uh, Defense of Marriage Act case for Edie Windsor. And, you know, she's just a spectacular lawyer with an excellent reputation and a, and a great person, you know, even though I'm, I'm sure we could find 50, 50 policy things to disagree on. Um, you know, we we became very good friends, but anyway, that was that. Just that's just was the background, and then one day this story comes out with you know Jean the excerpt from Jean's book. It was I think a Thursday or a Friday of some week in twenty nineteen, and you know Trump goes crazy and accuses her of being a liar. And it occurred to me that weekend, and I, I think I might've been influenced in part by a thread that I saw that, a, that, that, a, that a, a, very, a very smart woman in Massachusetts tweeted when she tweeted like basically all 25, 26 stories about all of the Trump sex victims. And I started reading through it. And it really struck me for, I mean, amazingly for the first time, I mean, I, I mean, I knew they were all out there, but I never really kind of read through what they were all saying. And it struck me that you know it, the, the, the the parallels were just was just stunning, stunning, yeah. And and that sort of and I was ginned up about that, and I was ginned up about the the fact that the, the Republicans were just like treating it treating it as nothing, not even the Times, like I think originally treated it treated it as as seriously as they should have. And I thought of the Win- Juanita Broderick case, exactly. and I remembered facts from the Juanita Broderick case because I knew about that case because I had, you know, um, helped as you noted, provided assistance to Paula Jones, so I kind of knew about all the and different allegations. Was, and she was, uh, she
0: was, by the way, a woman who accused Bill Clinton of right. essentially having raped yeah. her. Um, raped her and- in a in
1: a in a motel room in you know some small town in Arkansas. I don't I, I don't remember the details, but. There were wrinkles to her story. She retracted it at one point, and then she had it back, and, and, and there weren't any contemporaneous. I don't think there were any contemporaneous complaints to anybody like we've seen with the Me Too thing. But, you know, it was a serious—I I always took it as a serious accusation. The Republicans took it as a serious accusation. And in fact, in the midst of the 2016 campaign, there was a debate where, you may recall— um, beforehand, I think it was right after the um, the Billy Bush came, tape came out. Steve Bannon's brilliant idea was to fight back by reminding everybody. I, I'm being sarcastic there uh, when I say brilliant idea. So f- fight back um, by you know rem- making everybody recall how Hillary's husband had been accused of various things, and they they tried. I think they tried to trot out Paula Jones, or maybe they did. They trotted out somebody else. They trotted out. Um, this woman, Juanita Broderick, who had accused Clinton of rape. Anyway, fast forward to 2019 and that weekend after the Jean, sto- Jean story came out in The New Yorker. It was, Sir- uh, it was a chapter from her book. And it struck me that if you lined up the two stories, they were similar, except that Jean Carroll was consistent. She had never retracted it. And, and in, in addition, you had a videotaped admission, which you didn't have. With Bill Clinton, where Trump says, you know, he likes to grab women by the, you know, what, and you had that, and then you had a much, much larger pattern of similar conduct, which is actually admissible, as we saw at this recent trial under Rule Four Fifteen of the Federal Rules of Evidence, which he, you know, which allow plaintiffs um, alleging sexual violence or prosecutors alleging sexual violence to. Um, go and, and basically present other instances where the, the defendant behaved similarly. And I basically wrote this piece in, in the Washington, I called, up, I called up the, I was originally going to make it a Twitter thread, and then I mentioned it to somebody about what I was writing. You know, I was gonna do Twitter thread Broderick versus Carol. And then my friend said, you should make this an op-ed. So I emailed the post on a Saturday I don't forget which editor. It might have been Fred Hyatt. It might have been Ruth Marcus. It might have been Karen Tumulty. I don't remember. And they said, and I, and I said, this is what I want to write. And they said, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll publish that. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds like people <laughs> sounds would be good. interested. Well, yeah, yeah, we, we, think, we, we, we think we would publish that. And literally while I was sitting, my, 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 my son and his two friends were at this um, football mini camp that the Philadelphia Eagles hold during the summer every day. So I'm sitting there in the Philadelphia Eagles Um house on my butt on a sideline with a, with with, a, with an iPad just typing this out. It took me like an hour or two, and I sent it to the post and the post published it. And um, so that the next week I was in New York and I was invited to a s- small dinner party at Molly Jong-Fast Fast House. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those parties. They're very interesting. She has, always has very interesting a mix of people there. It's it's um. It, 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 it's always sort of, you know, you never know who's going to be there. And lo and behold, Eugene Carroll is there. And I, you know, she, she had seen obviously my op-ed and she thanked me for it, I think. And then she said something about the possibility of suing that some people were suggesting it or that she she had been kicking it around. And what did I think? And, you know, this was now, this is in the middle of a cocktail party, so other people were kind of listening. I mean, it wasn't a, you know, like a secret um, attorney-client privilege, come to your office kind of thing. And I, and I kind of thought for a second, less than a second, maybe just a, a quarter of a second, and I said, you have a claim. And the claim, and she goes, what do you, what, and what, 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 she asked me, and I said, look, I mean, the, the criminal statute or the civil statute, the criminal statute or the civil statute for rape or assault Has long passed, but he called you a liar. This is a you have a civil defamation claim. If you prove that you know he 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 this happened to you, then he's calling and his calling you a liar is defamatory, and you have a lawsuit. And and she 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 took that she took that in, and then I thought at the moment I said I think I know the right lawyer for you. I don't know whether I mentioned uh, Robbie then, but. When I got home, or the next day, I mean, I, I contacted Robbie and said, "Hey, Jean Carroll is looking for a lawyer." Um, in substance, and and Robbie expressed interest, so I somehow hooked them up together. I don't know whether it was on a text or an email or like that, and 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 the rest is kind of history. She, you know, and uh, that's basically how it happened. And then it became, but then it became an issue at trial because the. You know the the Trump people kept trying to portray me as the center of, or me and and, and Robbie and the litigation funder as. In fact, at one point I was I heard they were suspicious suspicious that I was the litigation funder, right? uh, <laughs> which is oh, like you know, which, it, which, it, which you know. I mean, and, um, which I, I would have been happy to chip in actually, yes. but um, nobody asked me. So. Um, so that's how it all ha- happened, and then Robbie apparently, um, I gather, had lunch with. Oh, and then the next thing that happened, which I which I put, would have put in the in the in the op ed, I don't think I knew about it. Was you know they were the New York Times playing catch up the next week, interviewed Lisa Birnbaum and Carol Martin, and I listened to the tapes like. Oh, this is a this is this is a slam. This is a potential slam dunk. And these were um, two
0: women who had two had women
1: who had basically she had told um, who she had told con- basically contemporaneously within a day or two, and one person advised her. Uh, Bern, Lisa Birnbach said, "You must go to the police. You were raped." And the other one said, "No, no, no. Don't go to the police. You he will destroy you because he's got so many lawyers and he's so rich. Blah blah blah." And, and ultimately, Jean just. Zipped it up, kept their mouth shut because of the advice of Carol Martin, and um, you know, and the fact that they gave her different advice and that they're di- you know they're totally different people and they testified was was very very compelling apparently yes. on the stand.
0: And that's what struck me about the lawsuit. It wasn't all neat. Um, life isn't neat. It no. isn't clear. People's memory, particularly in a traumatic situation, is spotty at best. Yeah. And if you were going to make up a story, you'd make up one that sounded a lot more airtight than the one that really happened. Because yeah. Although, that's although she sad. was
1: very, you know, I mean, th- that being said, I mean, it, it, it was airtight in the sense that she told people and she was absolutely emphatic about, uh, excuse me, a description about the digital penetration that he engaged in. Exactly. Um, and that's what related to the sexual abuse verdict. And that from, followed with $2 million in damages. And it also meant that he libeled her because he said she was lying that they never met. And and that was another $3 million. And, and there's more coming with that.
0: And as a, another esteemed lawyer uh, turned journalist, uh lick said, he is now an adjudicated liar. Um, and an adjudicated
1: yourself? sexual abuser. Is what exactly. I, you know. um, unfortunately, so I'm, I'm thinking of a new, you know, I, I, every so often I come up with these... Um, abbreviations or acronyms for him and, and there's like twice impeached um poetess like tim poeta tim potus or then or twice impeached and indicted and now exactly. and then now i can add in um, uh, adjudicated sexual abuser so it's like t-i-m-i-a-s-a POTUS. It's ex-POTUS. getting long. It's getting, it's getting very long. I don't and know. I'm going to run out of Twitter some... characters.
0: Exactly. And a, and
1: a couple of convictions. You know, we're going to add one in for the incarceration. Uh, you know, it's exactly. Be, uh, yeah, we and we get
0: to, we will get to those. Let me just say that... The trial was such a demonstration of the difference between a great lawyer and a terrible lawyer. You could tell how well prepared Jean was, how Robbie had thought through meticulously um, her lines of questioning. She was, um, I think, uh, quick to get in some evidence that she didn't think was going to be able to be submitted. But she got that in from an expert witness. But she was everything you would expect her to be. Mm -hmm hugely prepared. Her colleagues um, who helped were, her try the case were, were so superb. Good. They oh. were superb. And she drew a great judge who happens to have the same last name, not related to her, um, who was not interested in many of the shenanigans. Um,
1: no, and he, he's the, he was the perfect judge for this, just a no-nonsense, off the charts smart, as smart yeah. a federal judge as you're going to get, and not mean, not, not gratuitously mean, but just he doesn't take any guff. It's like you cannot pull BS in his courtroom. He will call you on it, and he will stop you. What other judge would quote Jonathan Swift? You know, he uh, picked up on— uh, <laughs> Well, there uttered... have been, been, been a lot of literate federal judges. Um, well,
0: fair enough, fair mm, enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but on the other side, um, his counsel— I thought, played right into her hands because he was badgering. He was incredulous that she didn't scream at the time. He was rude. You you have to be,
1: you you have to, look, I mean, I've never uh, cross-examined. I'm always never, I've never a prosecutor and I've never been a a defense lawyer for a sexual abuser, but you have to be, there's a way to do it, okay? There are points that you can score without being obnoxious. And he did score some of those points. Um, like, you know, basically, well, you say that she, he was pushed up against you. You couldn't see what was happening down below. And that, that's how I think the, the jury came about, the, you know, in, in, its finding that there wasn't a rape under New York law, which requires penile penetration. And there was uncertainty there, and she was her. But, but you know, again, that goes to what your what your what your point was about warts and all. She didn't embellish. She knew. She she was certain that he quote unquote rummaged around and with his hands. I I, I, I shut. I mean, it's just a horrible thing to read, even in cold print, um, and that it was painful. But he, you know, she didn't, she didn't. She didn't. She didn't. She didn't. You know, she didn't exaggerate and say, "Oh, I was absolutely certain." You know. Of this and that, when she was less certain, and 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 that certainly added credibility. Add on the fact that he didn't testify, and the fact that basically, in order to accept his version of events and to accept. And to conclude that she hadn't proved her case by a preponderance of evidence, you would have to conclude essentially 11 people, as Bobby puts it, were lying. Everybody from the people at Bergdorf's who said, oh, yeah, you can walk right in there and, and, and so on. And, and to the Carol Martin and, and the Lisa Birnbach, who were the contemporaneous uh, witnesses who heard the account immediately after it happened, which is a very, very powerful evidence, both, you know, journalistically, as we've seen with the Me Too reporting, but it's also very, very um, important evidence in, 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 in litigation. When somebody says something immediately, doesn't have time to really, they're not making up, a, and it's not, and it, and, and it happened in 1996. So it, it, this isn't some concocted thing that was concocted 20 years later. I mean, he wasn't even, I don't even know if he was a Republican then. I and mean, he was certainly wasn't running for problem. president. Sure. You know, I mean, you know, I, you know he, he's probably still giving money to Hillary.
0: But when, isn't you know. that typical of Trump, that everyone else is the liar? His Correct. version of reality is well, that, right.
1: That's his problem. Is right. That, right, that's the problem. And yeah, everybody has to be lying. Everybody is lying except for him. And that's the reason why he couldn't be brought to the courtroom, because it would take, I mean, Robbie didn't have to do this at the deposition because you don't need to, at the deposition you're trying to, get out what his story is, but there, was, there would be freestanding free cross-examinations that you could do in a courtroom in front of a judge like Kaplan, who is not going to let the witness weasel away. Like basically, okay, so all these people make accusations against you, and they're all lying. Everyone who says anything bad about you is lying, right? And, and you know what's he gonna say? Right. He's gonna say, yes, and then he looks ridiculous. And, and, you know, and you can even go, there are things you could cross-examine on. Like one time he told Leslie Stahl, um, and she could deny, maybe he'll deny he said it, but he once told Leslie Stahl that the reason why he says things about the media uh, that they're fake news is so that no one will believe them when they say it, when they report something about him. I mean, that's his that's his. That's his that's M.O., yeah. You know, and, 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 and that's why he can't, that any, you know, and he's got... He, he can never take the stand in his own defense. It would be insane. In fact, if you go back to the first Woodward book about Trump, I forget which one it was, Fear, True, I forget what, what, which one it was. The first one where they talk, where he's describing the Mueller investigation and there's apparently just this excerpt in there from uh, which must have been from an interview between him and some either, either um jim dowd the lawyer to trump the personal lawyer to trump or somebody very close to dowd where dowd is going through all the reasons why he you know in his own mind why he couldn't put donald trump on the witness stand and the, and the last point was um and this the book ends with this quote essentially is because trump is a fucking liar yeah, and that's literally the words the last the closing words of the book and that's it the lawyer be, and, that's and his that's his lawyer. well yeah actually and, and it dovetails with something that once happened to me i was at a I was at a, it was a memorial reception for a very prominent New York lawyer, and I ran into another lawyer there who had previously represented Donald Trump in other, in various litigations. Um, and he told me that there was no, you know, this was in 2017, 2018, that there was no way that Trump could be allowed to even speak to um Bob Mueller and his people, even you know, with under oath, not under oath, interview, not deposition, grand jury, not in no way could he be allowed to make statements of them because, quote unquote, this was the lawyer's, and he'll fucking lie his ass off, lie his fucking ass off. I can't remember. It was one of the one. I don't. I don't know where the gerund was. was but it was. It was essentially that, and um, you know, that, that's why. It also dovetails why with what happened the last weekend of the trial when they rested their case, the Trump people. And that means, okay, you're not putting on any witnesses, including Donald Trump. And then Donald Trump over the weekend says, I'm coming to New York and I'm going to testify. And then the judge said, right. Or this was on Friday and the judge says, what's going on here? You you close your case. He's he's saying he's going to testify and his lawyer's told the judge, apparently, like, we will quit if he if he shows up.
0: <laughs> That's a great little tidbit, George. It's amazing. That is a great little tidbit. And that endemic lying, that pathological lying, yeah. brings us to the psyche of Donald Trump. In 2019, you wrote a piece for Atlantic Magazine, Unfit for Office, that was, I think, the first very detailed, very substantive probe of why Donald Trump is not mentally well and not mentally uh, fit for office.
1: I wouldn't say that it was the first. I mean, there was a lot written by psychiatrists who were willing to chance a violation of the so-called Goldwater rule. And they had said a lot. And then there was this book written by a friend of mine, um Dr. Dr. Frank, a, a Harvard trained psychiatrist who has just wrote this brilliant book about Trump, Trump on the Couch. Um, and you know, I had a lot of and then I, I had been reading, you know, I, I the the first the first time I really got I, I knew there was something wrong with the guy in 2017. I said this this guy is fucked up in some way. And what There's was it something that wrong first
0: led you to believe that, that he I wasn't just, just evil, but he was not
1: all there? He was not all there and evil. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't assume he was evil. I, I, I just assumed, look, you know, the guy's, he was a randy guy. He's a wise ass. He's a pompous guy, you know. And so lots of politicians are like that. But, you know, he gets elected to the pres- presidency of the United States. My belief, I projected positive um, attributes to him in the way that he projects he and other narcissists and psychopaths project negative um, characteristics onto other people. And I just said, you know, the guy has done all this stuff. Now he's president of the United States. He's gonna end up having to take direction and, 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 and he wants he'll to grow. be a good president and he'll grow. And, yeah, there'll be those moments where he says something whacked out, and you'll just kind of have to cringe a little. But all in all, you know, he'll want to be. He'll appreciate that he's involved in an enterprise greater than himself, on behalf of the country, on behalf of its people, on behalf of its constitution. And you know, he won't be the he won't be the perfect president, but he'll 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 he he has got to understand that in order to be perceived as a, a good president. He has to basically act <laughs> like a president. And that was beyond so that was term. And that was absolutely, beyond so that, that literally that was, de, that was delusion. That was yes. pure delusion on my part. And I kind of realized that really quickly, which is the reason why I ended up withdrawing my name from consideration um, for being, I was going to be nominated to become the assistant attorney general um, for the civil, uh, not the civil, the civil division in the Department of Justice, which is Can actually the world's largest, world's largest law firm. Well, Can it's you funny imagine because
0: having taken that position and I, 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 been well, in the did, the day, the day,
1: the day I did the day that I started to realize after he fired Comey and and started saying crazy stuff and uh, to, and people were saying he was all ranting and raving about Russia, you know, I started thinking this is just a. Sh- I mean, he has no idea what he's doing, and he's going to get himself into trouble. And one day, like the next week, and I, I started thinking of I had started thinking about withdrawing and I had, you know, I, uh, the FBI check was done, but I hadn't filled out the financial disclosure forms and I was dr- foot dragging on it because I was having second doubts. Yeah. And one day I drive home from my office in New York because I was still up in New York and New Jersey with our four kids and Kellyanne was down, um, you know, living in an apartment in downtown DC and going to the White House every day. I was about to cross the GW Bridge off from the Henry Hudson Parkway. I had the WCBS News Radio 880 on, and there was a breaking news alert. And the breaking news alert was that Rod Rosenstein had appointed Bob Mueller to be special counsel. And so I'm driving across the bridge and I'm starting to do, the, the wheels are turning. Yes. This man, by the end of the bridge, I concluded, this man is going to be at war with the department that I would be joining if I joined it. And he's going to be at war with that department for the next two or three years. And... This isn't gonna work.
0: Okay? Thank goodness that was on rather than classical music that you were, yeah, right? <laughs> no, I was
1: I was listening, well, thank goodness for New York City traffic because I was listening to 880 to find out whether there was a backup at the bridge. But, <laughs> you know, and that's basically, and I, and I, at that point, so at that point, it was like, there's something wrong with this guy. I don't know what it is. Um, and finally, I don't remember when I read it, but there was an article that year, in 2017, in Rolling Stone magazine by a, ver- a very good writer of, uh, who, uh, what's her, I, I, whose name escapes me now, but basically she wrote this very interesting article on whether or not Trump has narcissistic personality disorder. And she went through the, um, I don't know how many is there, eight or nine... Uh, uh,
0: characteristics
1: factors characteristics or the, the the diagnostic criteria is what you call it for narcissistic personality disorder you only have to have five of them and it was like check 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 and and all of a sudden the, the light bulb went on and i bought a copy of the and i started reading more about what um Mental health professionals had said, I bought a copy of the DSM-5 and saw, Jesus, it's really, this is really it. A classic it, I, case. A classic case. And, you know, there was so much more evidence just piling up of his extreme narcissism. And also I was starting to look, you know, I looked at, there's another cluster B personality disorder called socio, um, antisocial personality disorder, so, which is sociopathy, which, and, um, you know, I started concluding he may be a sociopath too. Now there's absolutely no doubt after January 6th I and mean, right. the two impeachments and the, the, all the sexual assault allegations and, and what he'd been saying last week about, I mean, you, you, there's no question he is, a, he is an absolute sociopath. He is a narcissistic sociopath. But anyway, I got the idea of writing, okay, you know, doing a reprise on the elements of narcissistic personality disorder to basically show that this man is such a pathological narcissist he cannot comply with his oath of office, which is when you're, an oath of, when you're a federal official or you're any kind of official and you take an oath to, to, the, to defend the Constitution or the laws of the United States or the laws of your state or the whatever, you are basically a fiduciary. You are holding this office and using its powers on behalf of people other than yourself. You know, self, and, and a narcissist, a true pathological narcissist. And we've had many narcissistic presidents, to be sure. But at the end of the day, someone who's pathological, you know, basically can't act for in the best interest of other people. They just can't. They don't care. They only care about themselves. And that was Donald Trump. And that's why we saw all the things. Once you understand that Donald Trump makes perfect sense. Every crazy thing he does, exactly from 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 you know, lying about Eugene Carroll to fomenting an insurrection, um, you know, makes everything makes something. perfect sense.
0: And what distinguishes Trump, I think, from people who are just egotists, and let's face it, you have to be an egotist to run for president. Um, is that he really does not understand that other people have feelings or concerns or that he should be concerned with them. The only thing that matters is this insatiable right. need to fortify himself.
1: Correct. And that's, that's, an, that's an essential component of narcissism is a lack of empathy. I mean, this is the guy who, you know, I mean, there are trivial examples of this. This is the guy who said that, uh, he, he he told a seven-year-old on the phone when they were making uh, 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 taking she he and Melania were taking calls for from, from yes. kids for calling for Christmas. He goes, so do you believe in Santa Claus? And it's like is it's kind of a it's kind of a mixed bag, right, or something like that. To so the two yeah. like a hey, little kid. I'm just <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know, and and as throwing the paper towels. And then remember the time that there was this. Uh, this woman who who basically lost her entire she was Kurdish I think and she lost her entire family and he's like asking well how did you win a Nobel Prize and and and, and she says basically they killed my family and he goes what and then he, then he forgets that he just said she just said he they killed her family and then he has he asks, has to be reminded of it like thirty seconds later just goes right past him he doesn't it doesn't mean anything to him none of it means anything to him and that's narcissism but then what's what's worse is. If you're so narciss- if you're if you, you are that extreme of a narcissist, you ultimately become like a malignant narcissist, which is a combination of narcissism and sociopathy, with a little uh, uh, Machiavellianism and and paranoia thrown in. But let's leave that out for a second. And one of the you know one of the key elements of 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 sociopathy is you know, apart from not being able to tell the truth. And continually lying and using aliases, which he's done numerous times, is is basically having no capacity for remorse, none. So not only is he lacks empathy, he has no capacity for remorse, which is you know exemplified by the fact that even though he apologized for the um, Billy Bush tape, he then was like weeks later telling people that the Billy Bush tape was 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 uh, was doctored in some manner. I mean, you know, right. it, it just And that that just, he can't, he has zero, 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 zero conscience. And he is a sociopath and a psychopath. And that's, you know, I mean, you you don't want, needless to say, you don't want somebody like that in charge of nuclear weapons or anything at all.
0: And what is remarkable is, George, there have been... Hundreds, if not thousands, of people who have interacted with him and yep. Republicans who have seen this again yes. and again. And they, at some level, even if they don't have your acute eye for mental illness, know that he is. They knew a before group.
1: I figured it out. Ted Cruz. Yes. In March or April of 2016, when you know, it, it was right before he pulled out at the, after the Indiana primary, he said, this man is a narcissist the likes of which we have never seen in American politics. Ted you know, Cruz
0: ever said that was dead-on accurate. Dead-on yeah.
1: accurate. And, 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 you know, I mean, and, 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 and he said that. And then there's this, There are there, in a couple of the books, the post-Trump books that were written, apparently after Trump was re- elected, a donor friend of Paul Ryan's, who was a, happened to be a physician in New York City basically said you need to read this about narcissistic personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder and and immediately Ryan got it
0: yeah
1: um, Yeah, so anyway for this they all do, listen- and then remember and remember and also remember you know what 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 um, Mitch McConnell said when after the acquittal at the second impeachment trial in in 2021 He basically said that Trump tried to basically destroy the country on the way out. He got it.
0: Yep. And what people need to understand is this doesn't get better. That you break down, that you essentially, when in pressure, when you finally get caught, when the walls are closing in— you essentially crumble because right. the attributes of this personality are: you can yeah. never be wrong, you right. can never lose face, you can never right. uh, admit so, error. Right. So he is now so they, they're, at, they're, his worse, at his worst, or getting at his worst,
1: and he is going to get worse. I mean, apparent, you know, his his lack of self control after the Gene Carroll verdict has been just absolutely remarkable. And this is, and you know, you see him; he's terrified that that he's going to be indicted for the documents. Uh, that he stole, the classified documents that he stole, and he deserves to that, and he obstructed justice for that. That's gonna come down the pike. Uh, we know Fannie Willis is gonna, Fannie Willis is gonna do something in the next month or two because he's basically battening down the courthouse down there. Um, you know, it's, he's gonna get worse, and that's what happens. Narcissists, malignant narcissists get worse when they get cornered. And to me, I, you know, I, I I don't like, you know, i always careful about, as we all should be about, Hitler analogies, but Hitler was the quintessential malignant narcissist, the t- for the phrase, the term malignant narcissist was, 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 was coined by a, uh, a Jewish psychiatrist named Eric Fromm, who was trying to figure out what did these evil people like Hitler and Stalin, you know, these, these tyrants have in common, and basically they're narcissistic sociopaths was the conclusion. And you know, fortunately, he you know Trump isn't wasn't competent enough, and he didn't have a, 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 a he has a system a system that actually did check him. Um, you know, we never saw the worst that he could bring. Although, who knows if he's ever if you ever somehow got elected again. But anyway, the, the thing that my point is, if you ever watch the movie Downfall, which is this amazing German language film. Um, you see, the, 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 there are all these memes where you see Hitler ranting and it's Bruno Gans, the actor there, screaming at, the, at his generals. And then it's, there's overlaid with something else. And that, they've you know, used they've, it for a zillion different storylines. So very funny. That movie, if you, you use the, 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 malign, the, the, insane, the insanity of that him, when he was trapped there, when he's moving around armies that don't exist, and then saying we will we will win victory we will push back to the Urals or something you know when, when basically you know he's outnumbered he's he's outnumbered you know fifty to one by the Russians and the Russians are like three blocks away you know he's saying these spouting these insane things uh, you know he was this is the this is the kind of craziness that we're seeing with Donald Trump right now. And he, you know, he's what I think, I think what psychiatrists would say is that he's probably decompensating. And that's the word when you, that they use to describe someone whose, um, you know, defense mechanisms um, are, are failing them. And, and that's, he's going to get worse before he gets better. And he's never going to get better.
0: We could go on for hours with this, George. We haven't even gotten to the details of other cases, so we're going to have you back on um, not too uh, long from now to go through all the cases. But I think what this leads us to conclude is— I hope I didn't
1: talk too much on the No,
0: talks. no, you were great. Is <laughs> The American people might be excused for vit- voting for this guy once. Twice was nuts, and three times would make them— absolutely insane. And the fact right. that an entire political party is taking yeah. him seriously well, I mean, leads us problem, to believe that they too have uh, real
1: issues. Yeah, they have real issues. And the problem, really, I think, and just from observing it, both on an individual level and a collective level, is they don't want to admit they're wrong. They don't exactly. want to admit that no they're wrong about
0: No and, sucker and, wants and to admit
1: that correct. he was sucker. And then if, and with Trump, if you admit just one thing being true, one bad thing being true, all the others follow. Exactly. And yes. it's a, it, you're 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 the, the world that you've created, the fake world where Falls Donald apart. Trump is the innocent is the innocent person, and everyone in the entire world, not just the eleven people at the Carroll trial, but all the people who are going to testify him, testify against him, who testified him on the, at the January sixth hearings, and who we are going to testify him at his criminal trials. You have to whole believe liars. everybody's lying. The whole right. entire it's fake world news. is lying. Exactly. And it doesn't, you know, at the end of the day, if you're actually a thinking person, it doesn't work. So what they do is they engage in incredible denial. Um, they turn on Fox News and Fox News is afraid to tell its viewers about, the, tr- you know, what actually is happening. And they insulate themselves from the truth and... And then it creates an incredible amount of co- cognitive dissonance where they just basically want to change the subject and go on the attack for crazy things that don't really matter compared to whether or not you have a commander-in-chief who you know, has a severe personality disorder and lacks mental stability um, and, and, and has the, the nuclear codes.
0: On that cheery note, I think we're going to have to wrap for today. But we are in the business of not letting people uh, live in denial or at least disabusing Democrats, former Republicans, independents of the view that they can somehow persuade these people with the reason of uh, another white paper or another uh, loop of tape. But that's not going to happen. I
1: wish it were true. I mean, I, I was hoping that, you know, when I wrote that article, people would say, oh, Oh, now I get it. Well, George Conway
0: got it, even if many of us don't. So (laughs) thank you, George, for being on our inaugural episode. Appreciate you having me. Please join us again. Absolutely. All right. And that's George Conway. A funny man, a big brain who really gave us something to think about, not only about Donald Trump's mental condition, but that of an entire party living in denial. This is the sort of conversation I hope to bring you every week talking about hard subjects, tough subjects, funny subjects. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends and remind them to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye bye. We'll see you next week.